Welcome to the Rediscover Italy podcast, a place for you to relive, revisit, and rediscover your love of Italy. My name is Cassandra Santoro. And I'm Laura Thayer, and we're your hosts for this podcast that takes our shared love of Italy in all of its many forms and brings it to you. On this episode, we introduce you to Alison Zerflu. Dividing her time between Switzerland and Italy, Alison is passionate about the Venice Lagoon, particularly conservation issues and cultural sustainability. For the past decade, she's been creating relationships that instilled a deep understanding of the challenges of one of the world's most visited cities. Alison started her professional journey in Venice in the classical music world as a translator and page turner, even turning pages on the stage of Teatro La Fenice, which is Venice's opera house. After working in international communications for various palazzi, a private island, and some restaurants, she began creating exceptional events and bespoke cultural experience for discerning travelers. Through the challenging year of 220, Allison's work took a beautiful and unexpected new direction. She was able to bring her passion of being an artist to life and now has made this her new professional career. Allison is also the author of two books, The Veramond Re- Resurrection, about Venetian opera, and the children's book, Leah Leaves the Library, also set in Venice. Both of her books have been presented and preserved at Venice's prestigious Marciana National Library on St. Mark's Square, and Leah Leaves the Library is the only children's book to hold this honor. She has two decades of experience as a translator in classical music, as Cassandra mentioned, as well as Olympic sport. Alison was also named among the seven influential people in Swiss Romandy by Switzerland's Illustre magazine in 2016. Alison, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you making the time during this very, very busy period. And um, we want to ask you about this new direction with your art career, but we would love to start by asking you the obvious question that you know everybody wants to know. Um, why did you choose Venice, or should I say, did Venice choose you? That's a very interesting question. Thank you, Cassandra and Laura, for having me, inviting me onto your podcast today. It's really an honor to be with you. And, um, well, did Venice choose me or did I choose Venice? I think this is a question that's um, that I've been thinking about for a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, there's a, there are times when we choose a place and there are times when, indeed, I believe a place chooses you or just recalls you back to it. And maybe that's because we have an affinity with the very nature of the place. So I remember um, I grew up in Los Angeles and in a kind of a fearful environment. And Venice is the first place, for example, on the very first night where I walked alone in the streets at night and felt uh, exceedingly safe. And as I got to know Venice, I got to know her fog and her sinewy turning maze-like streets and her canals and uh, the the great temptation to get lost and um, actually you get lost more than you don't get lost <laughs> so true and uh, I felt yeah and I felt more um, found and more secure than anywhere else I had ever been oh, that's beautiful and possibly uh, growing up also you know my mom used to say you know you're very earthy you're very strange. You're out, you're very out of the box, and I don't. I I know my mom loves me, but I think it didn't suit her hopes for me, and <laughs> which is okay, right? It's fine. Um, but I think that Venice 
calls people who are creatives, who um, first and foremost are appreciative of art and beauty and nature and, and all of the beautiful cultural things that Venice has to offer, but also people who are thirsty for community and um, acceptation, as well, maybe all of, in all of Italy, this is, is also a quality. And people who are a little bit strange, possibly, or a little bit unlikely, and they find themselves quite in a comfortable place in Venice. You know, where other people think Venice is a little bit strange, I get lost, I don't know where I'm going. Um, people who are more artistic or more um, unusual, let's say, I'm just trying to not insult myself. <laughs> no, no, no that, that, ex that explains it. Venice is the very first place I visited in Italy. Now I understand why. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of naturally gravitated there? Would that be it? Yeah, it was the first place I dreamed of visiting um, many yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I think I've heard I've, talking with people over the years. I've heard other people say this that they in in their own words, but they have felt this kind of like. You find your people. Have you ever seen that movie with Sandra Bullock and the the red boots? You know, I don't know something about Steve, and you know, at the end of this crazy, weird, quirky movie, she ends up with all of these people wearing, you know, she has her red boots on and, and that's always weird about her, but she ends up with all these people who are equally weird and then she's finally happy, <laughs> you know? And um, when, two years ago, I was uh, in Burano at the Gattonero, uh, where I'm most at home. Um, and I don't know, I had had a hard day or something and I was sitting there with, with the guys and I was like, you know, they're like, cheer up, ragazza, there's no problem. And I was like, well, I don't understand why. Why do you guys, you know, accept me and like me? Why should I do I feel comfortable here? And you know, Masi, I don't know if you've met him from the Gato Nero. Oh, he was yeah, yeah. he kind of walked over to me and he said, All right, just listen up. You are a very weird person. And we are very weird. And you're just our kind of weird. Oh my gosh, I love it. And that was for me the yeah, that's how I feel there. <laughs> that's perfect and that no, makes I, sense it does i'm gonna have to find this movie though because strangely enough one of the things i remember was buying a pair of red shoes in venice oh, oh really <laughs> it comes full circle everything is all about red in venice you know red and gold tintoretto and that's um, true that's true i love that i love that and it's it's something that i think resonates with people whether it's venice or wherever people have those places in Italy that that they connect to and it's something that we keep even just by chance touching on in almost every episode of the podcast so far that um that feeling that you get when you found a place that you fit in yeah I mean I I've said this um tons of times on the podcast and on the travel Italian style page people ask me all the time if you're Sicilian American I mean my passport comes from Canicati and Agrigento why the Amalfi Coast, the, you know, why? And I said, it's very strange. I feel most comfortable with the Neapolitan people. And it's, I, I love Sicilian people. It has, you know, uh, it's just something, you know, I, I just feel at home there. And obviously Laura does too, because that's why she's based there yeah. all the time. But it's some, there's just an unexplainable connection to a place. And that's what you, like you had mentioned, Italy does that for you. And it's beautiful because anybody can find... Yeah a place in the in the city center of Venice to the rural um, areas of Abruzzo, there's a special something that will connect you um, personally. So it's beautiful. So thanks for sharing that. 
So in 2020, things changed for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And Allison, your career took a new path and a very artistic one at that. And uh, we would love to hear how, how that came about. Well, um, 2020 started out fabulous for me. I had worked for a long time to get where I was, and I had a lot of great projects planned out for the year. And look, it already affects me just remembering it. <laughs> I know Cassandra was there too, so and a lot of other people mm -hmm. um, in our situations went through this. And it was I went to Venice for the Carnivale, and we were all in Burano, so you know I'm a lot out in Burano and in the Lagoon. And we had the most fabulous Carnivale ever. And we were all together and I was dressed up as a black cat and another person as a butterfly. And it was just, the whole world was in the piazza from you know, 90 years old to two years old. And it was a beautiful, beautiful evening. And then two days later, I left. And about five days later, you know, the pandemic hit. And I was always leaving. I remember in the, in, in public places, people were starting to wear masks. And as I got in the airplane, of course, I was ridiculed for wearing a mask. So we were still in that phase. It was really on the cusp of the beginning. And I had also prepared to open my own company. I was ready. I had it all laid out. And I didn't even think something like this would happen. So I went ahead with it and I signed my company. And then I lost everything. I just watched everything sort of just disappear like a sandcastle, you know? And of course, at first I was enraged and I was like afraid and I was all of the things everyone else was. Um, mm -hmm. And I was frustrated because of, I mean, it doesn't even, is it even worth telling you why? I, everyone knows why we were frustrated. Um, and then I was I, talking with Cassandra and other people like Cassandra, you know, we were trying to stay positive and just keep going. And so I organized with, um, co-organized actually with a private island in Venice, this retreat for nurses and doctors from Bergamo, the ones who had worked the most during the pandemic. And this was really motivating for me, giving so much of my time toward this. And we had a beautiful time. So I was still riding the wave sort of this, um, you know, we can do this, you know, we just have to, you know, pay back with good and then good will come back to you. And, um, and then I guess it sort of started dawning on me that this was not ending and your, what you planned was not coming back. Everything, nothing is coming back and everything you built up is now really gone. It's not just a month, it's gone. And then I had a lot of, I had some accidents and I had some health issues where I needed a lot of surgeries and I just kept it just kept hitting me I was I felt like I was in I felt like it was in a boxing ring and and it just kept coming and and I was trying to get up oh and and keep fighting back or try smiling back and it's just like yeah. you know really um, testing you over and over it really was yeah and and I could feel myself sort of going down into a black place and um probably hit bottom around December when I was, you know, in a, in, I had had three tendons ripped off my shoulder this summer. So I was in this, 
you know, oper operated and, and then six weeks and mobilized. And plus I had some other really bad things happen to me. So it was all together. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is not possible. This is the end of my life. I was feeling a hundred years old. And I was thinking other people were, you know, doing art and making podcasts and, and like watching, you're taking courses. <laughs> writing and, full books, you know, everything. And, I remember that. And I was like, I'm sitting on my books. couch. What are these people doing? I know. <laughs> And I felt paralyzed. I really did. I was paralyzed. And in, excuse me, just because it's, I'm talking about that, that one moment for me in that really dark moment, I had this, this thought come back to me. And I remembered the years when I was painting and I had only the use of one arm at that point, but you know, that was temporary. And I went and I, I dug out my paints and my papers and I had to buy some new stuff because it was you know, in disarray. And I sat down at my table where I used to paint years ago and I just started painting. And I realized that while I was painting, those those voices and that um, pressure and that anger, that sort of dark cloud was dissipating. It, it, it was silencing. So mm -hmm. I just kept doing it. And um, then I, I made a gift for someone and I, I would hang something on my wall. And uh, I decided after about a month, actually, you know, because it, I had been doing this before. So it, I had to, you know, sort of get back into it and find my hand again and find my find myself inside there. But I knew the one thing was sure I could paint 10 hours a day. And as long as I was painting, then none of that could touch me. Wow. And my family was just seeing me transform into a more peaceful person and more serene. And they're just like, keep painting, keep painting. <laughs> Anything you need, what else do you need? We'll make dinner. Um, we'll clean. And um, I decided one day, well, you know, if you're going to do this, why don't you just open a little Instagram account? It will be different. And that for me was important because my Instagram account was the work I was doing before. You know, it was my experience before. And something about this new thing I was doing just didn't cr cross over. And it felt almost like it hurt me too much to cross them. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Like I was erasing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't bear it because I, I felt like such a loss, such a grief. Whereas with the art, it sounds like there was hope. You were refinding hope. Yeah. And, and I could see how they wouldn't really necessarily blend together exactly yeah it was it was a hopeful thing and I felt also I didn't yeah it was so strange it was really strange and so I did create that account one day and it was like a, a breath of fresh air I felt very light and mm -hmm. the same themes of Lagoon it's the only thing I've ever painted really and um and Venice and on occasion other things and I started um painting and then putting things up a little bit of the lagoon, a little bit of my art, and and with no real direction in the sense I didn't expect to, it to be a commercial activity or I just was doing it because it made me so happy. That comes through. That really comes through. Yeah, thank you. And it felt good to be happy again. I don't know if that, like deeply happy inside myself, not mm -hmm. making other people happy right. or, or bringing happiness, but being happy. And then... Um, Suddenly there were people asking me, you know, do you sell your art? And I, well, yes, actually I do sell my art, you know, and I, it's not that I was new at it. I just, it, you know, I had to construct things. I had to, 
And of course, one of my friends in Basel, she was on that, you know, immediately. <laughs> She's like, let's do that. <laughs> and they were ready. She, was, she ready. was ready. She's very good at business. So um, she immediately swooped in there, excuse me, and helped me to organize that. And um, I just decided not to get uh, commercial about it. I was going to just do paint what I wanted to paint. You know, I was just going to paint what I felt like I wanted to. And if it changed every day, I didn't care. And suddenly, um, if, if there was um, one person who found me on a, during a television program in France, and he, he said, would you do this view of Venice? And I, I jumped into that and did it. And that led to something else. And that led to something else. And that led to something else. And I started collecting books. And, you know, I've always been fascinated with maps. Now I'm doing maps. And it's just... The more I do it, the more I love it and the happier I am. And I, I had this meeting the other day with a client and I felt during that meeting that I was in the right place. Do you know how that feels? Like I just felt, I know what I, I know what I'm doing again. Like now I know what I'm doing again. You know? And I remember walking out, it was in Venice. I walked out and I walked straight to that Grand Canal and I, I was looking at the canal and I'm thinking, okay, no, this is what you're doing you can do it and and you can be happy doing it and just that's enough for today i don't know if that makes any sense am i rambling <laughs> no it makes a lot of sense and i think it's something that's going to resonate with so many people mm. after this last year yeah i mean i i just got chills um from when you were speaking and telling your story and i didn't want to interrupt you but i got those same chills um and I had said this to you, I wanted to include in the show something you wrote in a personal email to me, and you gave me the okay. So I just want to quote you because it kind of summarizes everything you're saying. And as Laura said, something that a lot of people can relate to, you said, I have been an artist for many years, but this pandemic has pushed me to make it into a profession, something I never thought would be possible. I have been utterly surprised and also delighted to be moving in this direction, became at a deep struggle and loss. And... I just think it's so inspirational because that's what people need is this hope and this um, this story that you're sharing. So yeah. thank you. You know, right before we called today, um, a, a friend of mine called me from Burano, uh, one of the fishermen, and he's like, I have someone here. And it was another client from Zurich and who's becoming a friend. And he um, has children. And um, several months ago, quite at the, yeah, several months ago, he ordered a big painting for his children for their um, birthday and you know he wanted it just right so I went I think I did it three times until it was just this <laughs> Peter Pan world and but what it, basically what was really curious is he wanted it like my earlier paintings that I did seven years ago not the ones I was doing now and that wow. actually really moved me because you know I was thinking oh you, sh you should change you should become more like this and like this and and I presented those to him and he said but I wanted one, the one that I saw before and that was also moved me because what we are does not always need to change. What we are can also, can also stay the way it is. It's also appreciative. And so this guy is now in Burano, and he'll probably hear this uh, another day. And he's having lunch. So the fisherman called me up, Massimo, and he's like, look, and we we're video calling. And he told me something. When I was doing this artwork, I knew it was for his children. And so I stopped at a special shop and I bought a special kind of gold paint. And I put, I hid little gold details all throughout this painting because I knew that the day would come that these children would start finding the little gold bits. And you know how they love stuff like that. 
And he told me, you know, three weeks ago, my children called me and they said, Dad, today the sun was shining through the window on that picture and there was gold bits all around and we found them. Oh, beautiful. That's and incredible. I thought, you know, the, the gold bits we can place around in our lives. We can spread them around a lot like you're doing now. And eventually those gold bits, we find them ourselves. Someone finds them. Mm-hmm. And it's also really moved me right before this, this, this podcast, actually. So well, maybe beautiful. it's fate. It is fate. And it's, it's so, um, it's so true, you know, and and it kind of ties your whole story together. Like, um, you know, you don't always have to look for something. It can, when the time is right, it'll shine and it'll stand out for you to take that next step or to be found just like the gold in those paintings for the children. So that's an amazing story. And again, thank you for sharing that. And it's definitely fate that happened right before the podcast. (laughs) It really, really is. Allison, I spotted recently on Instagram about your new project, Art in the Venice Lagoon, uh, which is a combined uh, sea and painting project. And I know I personally want to hear a, a lot more about this. And I think everyone would like to hear more, more about it and a little bit about how it developed. Well, uh, Mauro Stoppa, who has this beautiful antique fishing boat called the Bragozzo, he is a true Venetian. He's an older sort of, he calls himself a Vecho Barcon. So, you know, an old boatman and he's gruff and sweet. So he's very elegant with his guests and he's very dedicated to locally grown fruits and vegetables and locally sourced fish and the sustainable activities. And he has his own garden and his own uh, fruit trees. And and he's, his whole life revolves around um, finding the best produce and, and preparing that into these delicacies you cannot believe really one more delicious than the other and we've been friends for a long time we've we've worked together where I've I've done communications for him and brought him clients and um, but you know he's a single entity he has this business and he also was hit very hard obviously with this thing and, you know, we've had our fights when we fought. That's I think that's when we became friends is um, one day we had a misunderstanding when during a client, I had brought my clients and I was not clear enough on the timing. And he ended up uh, cooking his vegetables and they were not perfect when the kids arrived. <laughs> So this was a disaster and he had ballistic, like really, like on the side, of course, not with the clients. And um, we fought so hard. And after a few weeks where we had both kind of declared that, you know, never want to see you again, uh, we came back together. And from then on, we feel we are true friends and family now. And when this, when this pandemic hit, he started to call me every three weeks and we would never talk about work. We just talk, how are you, Kara? Ciao, Kara, he would say. And um, it grew, I think, through this time. Yes, we try to work together and support each other, but especially a great affection for each other and um, our, for our families and everything. And when I'm there, I always go inevitably and eat with him, etc. And last, uh, maybe it was earlier this year, actually, as I was doing my art and selling some art and uh, loving and being happy in my little bubble, I, it just occurred to me one day, you know, I said, well, 
let's give this a try. I mean, maybe nobody is interested, you know, and that's what have we got to lose, actually, Mauro. You know, we could make a little buzz and we could offer something. And if nobody, nobody bites, well, so what? We'll have some fun. And at least we get to meet some for some more meals. And that's what we did. And I created this. So it's his tour, basically. It's the, it's the, he does a little cruise into the north, really into the parts of the lagoon where you cannot access as a tourist. Um, and he, he knows all of the secret fishing valleys and has access to these because he has good relationship with them. And so uh, when you go with him, not only do you eat, like you cannot believe and he pairs all of these selected wines he goes everywhere finding the perfect wines and then pairs them um, not only do you have a great culinary experience and see a fantastic vista of the lagoon that you can never see otherwise then you know i've provided these uh, travel journals so really quality uh, watercolor travel journals everybody gets one and everybody gets a set of quality, and I do underline quality, because if you know anything about painting, you know that you want only quality materials, <laughs> or it's just not worth it. So a small set and a, um, a travel journal, um, and a one of my paintings um, to take home with you in your suitcase. And we decided that I would come along and it's not really painting classes. It's just more like, let's paint together. And if you, we want to talk about the lagoon, I can tell you about things or we can, I'm just there to talk with you. If you want to learn something from me, I'll teach you what I know. And otherwise it's just to be together and explore, explore the lagoon this way through art. And Mauro will stop wherever we want to um, get off onto these lovely little islands and, and really see, there's so much nature out there to see. So um, that's what it's about. There's a one day tour and a three day tour and it even goes up to a six day tour. Uh, this part of the lagoon is the, is the birthplace of Venice. And for a long, long time, it was the commercial center and the religious center and the fishing center, it was everything. There were gondola out there and little bridges and um, and and really it, it um, solidified Ven Venice's relationship with water and and all of the things that water brings to you, protection, food, um, cleansing, everything. And uh, Venice has a long history with different festivals that celebrate these as well. But the thing about the lagoon that's so important to remember is the north, the north part um, is still home to some of the most beautiful wetlands. Uh, they're called Barena in Italian. And these barena are so exquisite. They're just land masses uh, with tiny, tiny canals running through them, as the whole lagoon was at the beginning. You know, it's not like it is now. It wasn't like it is now with open stretches of water because they excavated um, for larger shipping for the for the shipping industry. And, and that did um, destroy a lot of the barena in the south. In the north, these barena are still intact. And they're beautiful and exquisite. And this is the foundation of Venice. Venice itself is built on these barena by, um, I don't know if you know about that, how they planted every 20 centimeters poles into the, into, uh, the land all the way to the water. And then they put a wooden um, platform on top of that. And then came Istrian stone and then came brick and then came Istrian stone. And there's all of these layers that you can read about. Um, in much more precise detail 
of how the foundations were made. But in the north, if you go there, you actually see what Venice was made on, and how can we not want to protect that? This is, you know, if they're gone, we'll never know, actually. Venice is not just on stilts, and there's nothing underneath. That's not at all the reality of Venice. It was built on this, on this barena. And um, so preserving this is of utter importance, and it is at risk now. It really is at risk with wanting to excavate more canals for um, a greater tourist flow. And I, I feel that the north should be reserved for conservation. I know after Torcello, up really the far north. And for some tourist activities that are done with a Bragozzo and other local boats that do not hurt it. You know, not speed boats, not uh, cruise ships. You know, it should be um, really protected and loved from this. And there's a wildlife there. I mean, there's the ducks that are nesting on the all along the sides of the Brenna. They're leaving because the, the boats are coming. There's too many boats now. And, um, and the nests cannot uh, stay on the edge of the Barena anymore. And I think this is what a lot of Venetians were showing, sharing pictures during the lockdown of the ducks coming back um, into the city because everything was so still. Uh, this nature, of, of course, it's always in Venice, but it was more evident now with the, the lack of traffic in Venice. Um, and this is what we see on this tour, is a lot of the real natural Venice. And I think it's important to see it, and it's even more important to understand how much we need to protect it. So, and this is why I like to work with someone like Mauro, because I believe in what he does. It's, it's, a, it's a Baragozzo that is a flat bottom fishing boat that's adapted to this environment. And he's using local foods and local fish and working with his staff, his local staff. And it's just very, you know, I feel privileged to be able to propose that. And um, these are the kinds of things, if we're going to protect Venice and go forward with Venice, for me, these are the only kinds of things that can be allowed in the North. Wow. I don't know. Are you ready, Laura? I'm ready. That sounds absolutely dreamy. <laughs> well, you know, on that, and um, I don't want to interrupt you, but I think this would be a good time that you could share a little bit of local insight for our travelers. So, you know, for, for a decade, you've been sharing through your work, the local life of Venice, right? And this is probably why we connected in the industry, because I'm particularly focused on helping people um, go see beyond the stereotypes in all of Italy, especially in tourist city as is Laura, hence the name of the podcast, Rediscover Italy, because we believe there is life beyond tourism and there can be a beautiful balance um, between the two, you know, because we understand that tourism is also life in some of these um, places, as you're saying with Mauro and even yourself. So in this open, um, in this episode, excuse me, you open a door to this with us, with Venice. Um, and this is why we wanted to end today by asking you, one piece of advice, and I know there's many pieces of advice, but what's one piece of advice you can give to someone traveling Venice in 2021 or 2022 um, as a local yourself? What, I, yeah. Again, this is a, a big mm -hmm. question, but maybe something to keep in mind or anything you could share would be helpful to our listeners, I believe. Um, I think just if I have to say one thing, it would be uh, to not do everything in one day. Uh, not to do these hop on, hop off, three islands and one day tours. Go with the intention of receiving 
and not with the intention of taking. There's a big difference between receiving and taking. Uh, go and and stop a little bit. Don't just walk through fast and and take selfies. In fact, put your phone away. You know, if you're gonna have an ice cream, just eat it. Don't photograph it. Go mm. eat it and taste it and look at the person who's serving it to you. And and listen to the voices. You know, take not a fast tour that includes all the things. Take a slow tour that includes maybe one thing. But when you experience that one thing, like really experience that. I think this is true for all places. We're getting into this frenzy, and we were definitely into this frenzy before the pandemic. I mean, just it's most noticeable by the fact that there's not one single airplane that has flown over my office, you know, since we've been talking. Um, everything's slowed down. Everything's changed. And I think it, in a way it's been hard as I you know, told, you know, expressed before. And in a way, it has been very good. So if we're going to start traveling again, and particularly towns like Venice that are assaulted by this kind of mindless consumption, you know, better to, to pay a little bit more something that interests you and that is locally made or locally, you know, sourced and do it slowly and enjoy that one thing. And then listen and breathe and see and smell you know those are so much for me venice needs to be taken in this way because it has so much to offer and and there's so much to see that isn't tourist oriented venice is a living city there are there are venetians okay the city is under attack but there is there's a whole population of venetians who want their authentic venice and are fighting for it and because a lot of as outsiders, we think, well, they're not protecting their own city, so you know, good riddance for them. No, indeed, there's there's a whole population of Venetians who are are, are fighting and working toward it and lamenting this fact. And uh, those people, if you really want to know them, they are there for you. They they want they're open. The Venice is a, has been an international crossroads for its whole entire existence. It loves. Mm -hmm. Passer, uh, you know, passersby, um, visitors, experiencers. So stop and talk to them. That is Venice. It doesn't have to be a selfie in mm -hmm. front of Saint Mark. Absolutely, that really that really resonates here because from from your maritime republic to to mine here in Amalfi, yeah, <laughs> um, it's very similar. You know, and that would be that that would be one of my my main tips too is to slow. Go slowly. Yeah, less is and, actually uh, more, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you are in, afflicted Absolutely. in Amalfi, I think, too. If I don't, if I remember correctly, before the pandemic, there was really beaches that you could no longer access and things because of. Yeah, very busy, mm. and we a lot like Venice. You have we have uh, geographic challenges <laughs> in terms of just people moving, mm. you know. And yeah, it's 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 something that. Uh, it's definitely an important question to ask. Yeah. And I love Thanks. your answer. Thanks. I don't want to be more part of the problem anymore. I mean, I've had a year to think of that. <laughs> I think about <laughs> it. And I've asked myself a lot of times, you know, are you part of the problem? You know, are you part of the solution? Or are you just neutral? Because neutral is fine, actually. That, I can do neutral. But are you part of the problem? 
really? Like, let's, let's take a long, hard look. How much of, of it am I? And I found sometimes I, I'm, I was. I mean, I'm not into mass tourism, but I have to admit some, some things, of course, we all, we all do um, take more than we give. So to shift. And I think also we have to um, be willing to make sacrifices because, you know, it starts with myself. Are you going to do that? No, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not. You know, of course, it doesn't change anything if one more person does it. But no, I'm not going to do it. That's really brave. No, it's it's hard. And I, I don't think, you know, this could be a whole other episode yeah. on, you know, because Laura's husband's a tour guide. Laura has written a travel guide for Amalfi Coast. You know, we're all in tourism. Obviously, I'm a travel planner. And with your background, um, you know, you want to keep going because yeah. it's your livelihood. We're all very passionate about Italy and the places we live specifically. Um, and you, you, you can only educate and try to make small changes yeah. um, every day. Yeah. Um, so it's very brave of you to admit that. Um, and, you know, it, it really brings together your whole story, what you had to go through to see that. So, you know, we're just so excited to see what will come about with your new adventure. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing this important information because these are the things, and this is why we wanted on the podcast so people can go back and listen and remind themselves. What's, what am I going to do when I go to Venice? Okay, yeah. I'm going to listen to Allison's <laughs> advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. really enjoy that gelato, um, you know, as a start. And then next time I'm going to explore the Northern Lagoon. You know, each time you do little by little, but these small changes make a difference. I think they do. Or if you're going to visit St. Mark's Cathedral, ex ex visit it. Like really look at what you read about it before you go. Learn about what you're doing. Do you know, not just... If you go up the Campanile in San Marco, this is, I honestly, for people who have never been to Venice, it's always the first thing I tell them to do. Nine, be there at nine o'clock when there's nobody and go straight up. And not because it's a, it's a tourist thing. Actually, it's not. It's, it's a piece of history. You know, it's not an attraction. It's a monument. So go up to the top and then look around. I mean, this is a, an amazing view. You see Burano, Murano, Torcello. You see far into the north and you see far into the south and then you see the sea and you see the mainland and you see all of the town you can see the hospitals quite well and you can see all of the churches and all of the campanile from there and take a little bit stock of who you are and where you are in this world i right now am right here in this place this is where i am and i'm living in this place right now what is my position what is my philosophy who am i in this world and, and ask yourself some of these questions while you're up there. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime for many people. So ask yourself some of these questions. And then, and then jump on, if you wanna do it simple, okay, take a, a public transportation. You know, I do a lot of private things, but public transportation works well for this city girl. You know, I take a lot of, a lot of public transportation and go out to Torcello and then go up the Campanile in Torcello and do the same thing. Now I'm in the north, and there I see San Marco calling back to me. And I see farther beyond that to the north, and I see the sea, and I see the mainland. Mm. And here I am at the very beginning of Venice. And what, what am, am I at the beginning of my life? Am I at the beginning of a new project? Where am I? And I think Venice calls to a lot of people this way. Where are you? Who are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? And what are you giving? I really think these are questions 
that people who are creative or sensitive, a little bit weird, come to Venice and they feel that resound inside them. So do that. That I think you should do that. That's what you should do. Well, now I have <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> so on the topic of questions, um, Allison, I'm not sure if you know this, but at the end of each episode, we answer a question from our listeners. And we okay. have one that we thought that you might want to chime in on. So we have this question from Karina. Uh, she asked, where can I buy art supplies in Italy? Now, a little insider, because Karina and I have connected on Instagram. She is based on the Amalfi Coast when she comes from the UK. Um, but any general tips you can give uh, would be helpful because she's an aspiring artist. So, um, In Italy, I have to confess, I'm, there's one shop I have gone to. Mm-hmm. one and that is in San Barnaba in Venice if it's still there after the pandemic I cannot say um, but I've gone there much in the past and I also since I go back between Switzerland and and Venice and Venice is a hard place to find stuff it's just a hard place to shop as you know because you've got to carry everything over bridges so whatever you can have sent to you or bring with you is <laughs> is a plus in Venice um, I would say go to the shop in San Barnaba and see if it's still open. If you want to write to me, I'd be happy to research that and find out what's still open in Venice. Uh, but I have traditionally brought my stuff with me from Switzerland because I had it, because I could take my car and go to the store, basically. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, even uh, speaking to some other friends that are artists in the South, they go to Rome. Uh, there was one place that was recommended to me, uh, Dita di Poggi, which is like a pretty big, quote unquote, big for Italy, um, art store, but, you know, nine out of 10 people said, but I bring it from, you know, even when I go to America, even if they're Italian, I go to America and stock up. But Laura, I know you had a suggestion maybe, which is, it could work for Karina based on the art that I see that she does. So this could be very helpful as well. Yeah, my experience, especially in smaller towns, since that's, that's my experience here. I mean, if I need to go and search for something, I, I, I kind of look for the for the cartelleria store, because at least where I'm at, again, here on the coast, that's like a stationary store. And they, yeah, they sell all kinds of things from, depend again, depends where you're at, here in Amalfi, magazines, newspapers, wrapping paper. But I've also gone in to find like pens, markers, basic, for me, what I would call craft supplies, because I'm more of a crafter than <laughs> an artist, I guess. <laughs> but um that's the, that's the kind of store that I guess if you're in a small town, you might look for. But um, again, like quality or if you have particular paints or pens or whatever you're doing, you probably would want to bring that with you. But however, I do have one tip um, here in Amalfi for, for anyone, but also for Karina, that if you're in Amalfi, you should definitely go to the store La Scuderia del Duca, which is one of the most beautiful paper stores in Amalfi and that's where you can find uh, Amalfi's famous handmade 100% cotton uh, paper and they make it for drawing and watercolor uh, and etching. Oh, I want to see this. So I want to know um, about this. Can yeah, you send me the link to yeah, that? That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... I will. And yeah, I mean, paper, if you don't know, oh, paper yes. is a, is a mm. long tradition here in Amalfi. Yeah, and so it's still made, there's still one paper mill at the top of town that makes handmade paper. And they do make different types of paper. So it really is, again, I'm not the artist or expert here, but they do make 
different types of paper for, for different types of art. And they actually do sell I it online. I would love to have that information, really. I love Italian watercolor paper, really, yes. In fact, I've bought two in the, at this little shop in uh, San Barnaba of the Italian Sea. But, you know, they, for if you like Winsor & Newton oil paints and, you know, Schminke watercolors, I mean, that's German and British, so it's, it's not in Venice that you can find this. Mm. But paper yeah. in Italy yeah, is the Yeah, but, you know, if you do a little bit of totally digging. On board. Yes. yes. Paper, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, and they do, like I said, they do sell online if you want to have a little bit of that Amalfi touch to your artwork before your I travels bring that. you here. I mean, you know, I could have actually see if they have travel journals there. They do because, well, they, I know they have a mini Ooh, one because Laura wonderful. gifted me one one year. That, like a little, yeah. I mean, I don't paint, but I use it to write in my, my notes. But I, I mean, specifics about art, you know, don't let me, uh, don't let me give uh things that are not facts but uh, laura has gifted me a few things from there and and has gotten me obsessed with this place as well so you do need to i would love to know that because actually right now i'm using windsor and newton travel journals with um watercolor paper and uh, i i wouldn't love nothing more than to have um italian watercolor journals for this for this tour i would prefer absolutely so if you have that link Please Wonderful. shoot it over to me. I love this. Yeah, see, <laughs> yeah, even no, no, we're re rediscovering sorry. Italy from north to south. So this is, you know, yeah. we hope, uh, Karina, we hope that was helpful. And we hope this episode was helpful to everyone. And just so you know, we will link any of the names and places mentioned in today's show um, onto our blog, which is a new edition. Um, here we'll include show notes, all the guest information, um, in this case, the wonderful Allison. So all the links to her work uh, that we spoke about today and even timestamps of the show. So you can listen for highlights of experiences and sites um, mentioned throughout the podcast. Excuse me. So, um, you know, take a look for that. That will be in today's show notes and um, we'll link to everything you need. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. And uh, thank you to the listeners. Uh, be sure to subscribe um, on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play so you won't miss any future episodes. You'll find all our listening options and more at our website, www.rediscoveritalypodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter and find links to our social media, where we hope you'll join us to share even more of the Italy we all love. And please do share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you have a chance, uh, do leave a review. We love to hear from you. And don't forget that we are still taking questions. Just send us a message on social media or email them directly to rediscoveritalypodcast at gmail.com. So grazie and a presto. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, presto. Bye.